Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> I should just realized I should probably not say ladies, because I'm pretty sure ladies absolutely do not listen to this uh, weird autistic podcast. But uh, statistically, if you're part of the one or two that do, I guess, uh, you know, hello to you too. Our favorite things of this podcast are weird and unusual lifestyles, bizarre religious practices. My personal favorite is claims without evidence. And this week we're falling into the strange and terrifying religious practice category. And I think you're going to love this one. I was contacted by somebody who informed me that they had a relationship with someone who worked with the late and great magician, Joe Lachewski. And this individual, whom we know now as Wolf, wanted to basically expound his own insights and experiences with Joe over the 10 years that he worked with him. Now, for those who don't know, I suggest you go and listen to that previous episode I did with Mark Stavish on Joe Lachewski for more details. But in short, this is about the occult and occult practitioners, magicians, and alchemists, and real ones that actually practice this stuff. So because this talk is on the occult and is by definition obscure, I've decided to give everyone a brief rundown of terms, which may be important if you have no idea about any of this stuff, which probably no one does. I did think about verbally annotating the actual podcast itself, but I didn't want to interrupt the, the uh, flow. So if you know about this stuff or just want to listen anyway without knowing, you can skip ahead to the 750 mark where the podcast starts. So here we go, as quick as I can. In short, Joe Lachewski is the subject matter here. Wolf was one of his students. First off, Wolf outlines his work with the various schools, Chaos Magic Schools and the Golden Dawn. Chaos Magic is a type of magical school or order, or I guess a method. And <clears throat> the Golden Dawn system is something similar to that. Uh, Wolf names several people here that I won't go into in too much detail, other than to say that the Golden Dawn, of course, was relatively famous. You had luminaries such as Alistair Crowley, fam famously studying under this system, Alan Bennett, McGregor Mathers, Israel Rigardi, who famously published the Golden Door materials once the order was, uh, you know, not working anymore. Subjective synthesis. Uh, this is a key factor in Joe's system. It's in his books. Um, and his work basically relies on subjective synthesis, but effectively what it is, is an establishment of the subconscious state through hard work, where the integration of conscious work creates a kind of permanent subjective uh, synthesis or subconscious state of mind that is required for successfully working uh, medieval system, systems of magic and alchemy. Uh, there's a mention of Enochian magic. Enochian magic is an angelic magic uncovered by the super spy, the original 007 and esotericist John Dee. It's a system of angelic magic that uh, through the mediumship of Edward Kelly, I believe, uh, John Dee scried a full system of magic that was given to him that is, I believe, apocalyptic. Several books were referenced in this talk, outlining his magical theories and instructions for evocation to physical appearance and manifestation, including his work on alchemy. These books are still available from the publisher Original Falcon Press, to which I will provide the links in the show notes, should you want to investigate this mysterious topic in more detail. You will hear about grimoires. These are the magical operation manuals or recipe books uh, in medieval times and other times, I suppose. 
uh, <clears throat> through history. The one reference here, or the ones referenced here, are devised reportedly by naughty Catholic priests as we go into. These books have the aim of raising various entities to physical appearance. And this forms a part of Joe's entire magical worldview and system. Just to take a note, one of Wolf's main gripes, as you'll see, is that many modern practitioners modernize this effectively or psychologize it, uh, skipping steps and not getting the results as reported in those uh, grammars, thus deeming the books as quote-unquote psychological. Joe asserted famously, which sets him apart from pretty much everyone else, that they are not psychological, the forces in them are not psychological, they should be treated and seen as literal objective beings that can be and should be called literally to physical appearance before you and if that doesn't happen you've failed in the operation there is a similar thing with alchemy as referenced that uh, wolf himself practices laboratory alchemy and this is different from the psychological interpretation of someone like jung for example who famously wrote on alchemy from a psychological perspective so overall it's a far cry from the psychological and subjectivist interpretations many occultists and other people who analyze this kind of stuff seem to have joe was a laboratory alchemist as is wolf this is well documented in several books including israel regardi and the philosopher's stone link in show notes joe's greatest work perhaps at least uh, what is documented to me was engaging in what is really the creation of life or the homunculus the homunculus of course being a small character that the alchemist generates usually using certain strange means and methods obviously seen as mythological to most people today. However, as Wolf says, this is a part of the waterwork in alchemy and thus is considered to be an entirely obtainable thing with instructions for working this into real life. Just to vastly oversimplify things, alchemists work with various elements and kingdoms, including water, mineral, plants, and other things, and they tend to choose to specialize in one or maybe two according to their abilities or calling. Each kingdom obviously has different things that you need to learn and master. And for Joe, his calling was the water work to which he undertook to create the homunculus. Joe studied with Frater Albertus, or I believe his name was Albert Rydel, who was a German alchemist who emigrated to America. Joe undertook classes with Israel Rigardi and under Albertus's tutelage in the Paracelsus Research Institute, <clears throat> he completed a seven-year cycle uh, of classes as set out by Albertus and also did the water work under his instruction. Finally, Wolf also practices alchemy and Wolf practiced magic with Joe Leschewski under his mentorship for 10 years. Finally, I would say that if anyone is interested in pursuing a path like this, and perhaps you're out there, that uh, feel free to contact me and I can get you in contact with if you are so desirous. One more thing, I don't know any of the people mentioned in this personally, or I've never studied under them, so the opinions presented here are those of Wolf himself and I have no idea who they are. I'm a nobody. Okay, I hope that's a good enough rundown for the uninitiated and you can maybe get a little more something out of it with that background. And here we go. Oh, so I will be on a podcast. Well, that's, that's all right, I guess. I'm just 
unlike Mark Davis, who you interviewed a year ago, whatever, six months ago, however long it was, I'm not looking to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think I, I can tell you this. Um, if you're on my podcast, you definitely won't be famous as a result. So I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about that too much. Well, you had 851 views. And, you know, Joe is a rough subject to tackle. That's why I'm contacting you because nobody posts uh, stuff on YouTube about Joe. It'll come and go. The only other video besides your podcast on there where I heard it, and I've listened to it three times now, uh, uh, is this book review by this young magician who doesn't even, you know, he's dancing with, he's on the right track, but he's misguided, you know. He just he exactly backs up Joe's book, but he misunderstands it just like a new ager, just as Joe describes. So it's really crazy to see that. You know, that's the only two videos on YouTube about Joe at all, though. So when I heard your podcast, I was like, well, you know, if somebody's interested in Joe, that's a rare thing. I got to contact this guy. Yeah, so. yeah, Ab- absolutely. I think it is a rare thing. And the, the reason I did it with Mark is because there is nothing online as you say about this guy and and to me the the people he associated with uh the things that he achieved at least what what is uh represented in the publications they seem pretty intense and full-on and i agree i feel like he's the kind of guy that needs to have an investigation kind of done to some extent and to have his his true personality uh put out there from people that knew him as a person, um, which, yeah, has not been done at all. Well, well, sort of knew him anyway. <laughs> well, okay, I'll say this, all right? I'll say this. Mark's book, The Magical Morals of Dark, Dr. Joseph Lachesky, a memoir. Yeah, okay. He never, he lies about nothing in that text. Mm-hmm. There is not one lie in that text and when he uses joe's voice when he's talking as joe in that book i can hear joe talking yeah wow wow it is exact okay the problem with joe with the problem with uh that book i have is you know nothing against mark uh just he's kind of uh he wants to be famous like i say he's uh <laughs> he's publishing everybody's material the martinist joe's everybody's you know uh he has his book on alchemy that joe endorsed but didn't read obviously because if he would have read it he would have realized the condenser diagram he has for a simple distillation is wrong <laughs> it's backwards the water inflow and outflow is backwards as anybody that uses mark's book will attempt to find out for themselves hooking up a condenser it only half fill see <laughs> uh-oh but, you know, Mark knows what he's talking about. He was with the PON. He's a name dropper. I, nothing against the guy. I mean, he knows. He has a lot of knowledge. And, you know, he just, ah. I thought for a long time he was a student at Joe's, but I begin to wonder. Because I knew him as long as I, he did. You know, I have the same lineage he talks about in his book. You know, so what? <laughs> in fact, I have double lurch, uh, lineage to Albertus because of Robert Bart- Bartlett, who taught me alchemy. That's two guys going straight to Albertus, both who took seven years at PRS. Okay, mm-hmm. so lineage aside, it is important. It's not if you're name dropping it; it's not important. Mm-hmm. If you're using the energy of that lineage to transform your own life, 
to get results, that's a whole other thing. Sure. Oh. So, so that might be a good place to start, actually. Um, so, so how did you get into like this, I, I guess, this weird, obscure path? Um, what, what are your autobiographical details in terms of like what, what brought you to this practice and this part of the occult world? Well, I have a whole journal called the Lechewski Commentaries that outlines that because basically I had been doing the occult for, I started in 2000. And when you start to train with Joe, he hasn't sent him a five page autobiography of your past endeavors. And whether you think you're a beginning or an advanced student, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. So, you know, I mean, I'm in 2000, I get the call, basically. And uh, I knew I had to get a tarot deck. And all I knew about tarot was those Miss Cleo commercials at the time. You know, <laughs> uh, call me now. You know, it's reading stuff online on the phone. Well, I go to this bookstore. I didn't know that that's where you usually found decks. In those days. I didn't know anything about it. I found Waits deck and started using it. And then... That leads to Kabbalah and a few other things, Crowley, getting to know Golden Dawn. Anyway, I'm really enraptured with Crowley's uh, dedication, I'd say. Not with his antics. But, uh, you know, uh, so I start, I'm a huge Golden Dawn enthusiast, and I'm trying to find everybody. Well, you know, I have the Lechecki commentaries right here and the five-page autobiography. <laughs> I won't read the whole thing, but I want to do this verbatim here. Uh, let's see here. Um, I learned early on that Crowley didn't write for the amateur. <laughs> this is a, my. Uh, this is directly emailed to Joe. This whole thing, and then he writes back to me, and he basically took me on because of this five-page autobiography. At the time, we only had four students, but you know, it took a long time for me to get introduced to Joe's work because I started before he was published. Well, in 2006, this Satanist that I knew. He's like, oh God, you gotta, you gotta check out this book, man, and it's ceremonial magic and you know, where he's backing up the idea that spirits have objective existences, which other guys are not doing. So, of course, the Satanist was loving this because it's like, oh, it's my my uh, key to, you know, doing infernal things so, <laughs> and contacting the my masters or whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, well, I wrote it, and it just hit me like a hammer, okay? And, you know, I've, I've been uh, seeking Golden Dawn guys doing the, the traditional way as it was written down all across America and not finding it. And, you know, here where I live in Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, that area, the Pacific Northwest, there's a huge pagan community here. It's, rampant okay during that five years before joe i was learning chaos magic runes you name it you know and still desperately seeking these golden dawn guys and not finding them well finally i did find them and uh they're using scripts they're breaking every axiom in joe's book uh and i'm starting to see you know i read joe's book and what he says about golden dawn being new age well i'll quote that from the five page right here I started working with the chaos guys first. Okay, I was reluctant to join because I was going donner, but I want to know what initiation was like. So they offered a 26 week course followed by an initiation. So I took it with the chaos. I found chaos theory. 
The course was basically Phil Hines' condensed chaos to be utterly opposite of what I was after. Uh, they called Golden Dawn traditional, an old hat. Old hat. <clears throat> Too cool for the chaos method, which was so quick and easy. I found it to not be useful, but not being a quitter, <laughs> I finished the course and took their initiation. The main beef I have with chaos is there's no rhyme or reason to it, and it's not spiritual in the slightest. We will change consensus reality with intent alone. We don't need gods in our magic. I'm quoting direct. So the thing was, their methods never seemed to work. <laughs> I quit the society after I completed the course. The only thing I did really take away from it was the networking aspect of the thing. I hung out with guild members who ranged from all traditions you could name, except Golden Dawn. They were the Sautru people, Wiccans, voodoo people, the works. I started to get to know the local pagan community at large. While all this chaos stuff was going on, I was still, of course, intensely practicing Golden Dawn rituals as well as seeking an order to join. On the internet, there were so many groups advocating this or that, mostly changes to the main curriculum. <laughs> From adding flame to Golden Dawn grade structure to putting all the second order material, such as Enochian construction and consecration of elemental weapons, etc., into the outer order and going on about secret Rosicrucian documents that they only had access to, to people offering astral initiation or the you aren't present but we're powerful enough to initiate you from a distance line. I had a difficult time finding anyone working the curriculum as Mathers and Westcott set it down. I wanted to pursue the order teachings that had been originally intended. You know, I was born to be Joe's student, really, and this autobiography shows it. It just, it just shows. We got along so well, that guy and me. And <laughs> I miss him a lot. I then found Cicero's self-initiation book, that big green tome. And I thought, great, now I can work the curriculum myself the way it should be. So I proceeded to construct the implements for the neophyte hall. Chick Cicero advocated if you didn't have implements, you could use dowels with paper cutouts for heads, use cloth for pillars and stuff like that. But that never uh, appealed to me. His Secrets of a Golden Dawn Temple had been republished in two books. With the instructions on how to make the items at hand, I proceeded to construct them all. Around this time, I heard an interview of Chick and Tabby Cicero, mostly Chick talking, in which Chick said an astral initiation always followed a physical one or vice versa, which actually technically matches as above, so below completely, really, and is not wrong. <laughs> uh, this had an effect on me in which I considered the self-initiation to be the astral one since I really had no experience, and an initiation by a team of people to be the physical. I then found a group on the internet from Arizona that seemed to work the system as set down by Westcott and Mathers without making all those drastic changes. Mm. <laughs> you see a theme here of Joe's uh, book, you see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I made contact with them and took the self-initiation to the neophyte grade. Then I flew to Arizona to have the real initiation done. <laughs> uh, two things should be mentioned here. First, the self-initiation was horrible. <laughs> I broke axiom number two totally and utterly. Not only did I not have an understanding of what I was doing, I was holding a book in my hand the whole time. My heart and soul were in the ritual fully. It took me two hours to perform it. And I was very careful to follow all the instructions and visualizations carefully. But after it was over, as hard as I had worked up to that point to get ready, constructing the implement, doing that mott meditation, 
as prescribed by the CISROs for the four-month period uh, beforehand, every night, without fail, at midnight, I realized that I would have to do it again, memorize this time. Sorry, sorry about that. The lines seem to uh, drop out. So, so where were you? <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, these kind of things. There's a lot of truth going over these waves. I'm not surprised at all. One time, you know, Joe saw Anokian was so dangerous, we were talking about it, and all the power in my house shut off, and the call got disconnected on a cell phone, just like we did. Yeah, wow. And then it came back on about 30 seconds, and of course, I scrambled to get a hold of Joe in the middle of my session. He's like, we were just talking about Anokian. See what happened? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so, um, so I'm getting the general theme here is that the, the occult practitioners in America we're not really interested in practicing things as they were traditionally set out. And that you've kind of seemed to be encountering a deracinated uh, modern version of whatever, say it was Golden Dawn or whatever else. And, and so far you've been looking for someone who was a practitioner of these traditional methods and you've, you're having difficulty finding them, right? Is this a theme that I'm... Coming well, across basically, it? Basically, right. I couldn't find anyone in the Golden Dawn community that wanted to do it as it was set down. They told me everybody uses scripts in their initiations. Why would we memorize a ritual we only do once a year? Well, because it matters. Maybe it's your spiritual path, but fuck it. Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, um, <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. Right. It's like, let's see, I'm doing it. I'm an initiate. Okay. I'm going into a temple. These guys all are in these robes. They have these fancy wands and pieces of paper in their hand. It's like us going to a Shakespearean festival and seeing all the actors holding the script, reading offline. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. It's the same thing you're, you're saying with um, self-initiation. How do you initiate yourself? That doesn't <laughs> I'm just struggling to see. I mean, you, well, you, you have other spiritual paths. The initiation is always with a guru or someone who is initiating you into that path if, if you catch my drift well that's what the new age does is generate ideas like that. yeah yeah and that's yeah. a new age text it's by the Cicero's, and it's a regardy idea it's in the complete golden dawn system of magic okay you find it there hmm. and he talks about it and joe always disagreed with it in fact you know joe was a five six golden dawn initiate i have his five six initiation step form. right i also have his a resignation form I have every, I have every letter between Regardi and Joe because Joe photocopied what he sent to Regardi and kept it on file. Oh wow! So I have every letter they ever sent to each other. Wow! I've got all the mail that Hans Nitzel ever sent him. Yeah. You know, me and Corey, one of his other students, we split up the Joe stash, as we call it in California, two years ago, mm -hmm. which Mark mentions in his text. So and that student he talked to, that was me. <laughs> right. So, so how, how many yeah. students did Joe have? Because I, I, I remember going on his website, I don't know, it must have been 10 or 15 years ago, or whatever it was, because I also sought him out for instruction. But I think by that time, things, he obviously wasn't taking on new students because I could never seem to get through to him. Um, you, you mentioned he had four students at, at the time, including yourself. Was there, any, uh, was there a time where he's taking on many more students or was it just, it was oh, always yeah. a small number of people? I come and go. Yeah. Well, see, at first it started with four and then it, he wanted to get 12 ideally. And, you know, there was a fluctuation from, between four and 12. 
And they're always based on mystic numbers, of course. It's going to be 4, 7, or 12. And he would say, basically say that his, the guys that were giving him orders, <laughs> uh, so to speak, you know, would say, oh, you need to teach more guys because we want to get this thing done. And, you know, Joe was an Aries, so he's quick to take on a lot of projects. And, you know, he can't always finish them, right? And, you know, I have the pictures of him doing all his alchemy photos of him doing lab experiments. I've got all that, too. And, he, you know, everything he wrote in the Israel Guardian, the Philosopher's Stone, that's all backed up by the material that Joe, that Corey and I now have in the Joe stash, which, you know, I, I'd let Mark read it, but he'd publish the fucking thing, you know. So you you don't intend on publishing this stuff? It's it's obviously private. And... Does it need to be? Does it help a student uh, work Joe's system? Which is the contention I have with Mark Stavish's text. It's a memoir. It's all about Joe's uh, Mark Stavish. And guess what, Mark? I don't care about your publishing career. I care about Dr. Joseph Lachesky, which is why I bought this text. Not about you. You know, Joe cut him. Okay, and he only came back later in the end of that, you know, the final chapter of that red book of his, where, again, Mark Stavish, who is not better than the teacher, even though that's what he wants to present himself as, he doesn't hold a candle to Joe, okay? Never will. There's an adept on this planet. Joe is one of them. Okay, uh, compared to Stavish, who's a rookie in my book, okay? So... Uh, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying that. He knows his stuff. But in your interview, he kept talking continuously about Eastern techniques, Buddhism, Taoism, yogas, all this other crap. Well, if you read Joe, he doesn't mix systems. He doesn't mix East with West either, especially not. He doesn't mix anything. And he does not do Eastern techniques. So could, yeah. So could I ask, let's um, just take this back quickly. Where did Joe trace his lineage? Now, um, Obviously, there was Frater Albertus, um, I'm pretty sure, or Albert Rydell, I think his name was, in the, the alchemy side of things. But also you have um, right. the ceremonial magic element, which in a way to me is almost as, if not more, interesting. Where did he take that from? Did he just experiment himself and just figure it out? Or like, how did, how did he come to that understanding or or come to develop his own system and opinions on how ceremonial magic should be performed? Well, that's the beauty of Joe's system, as I call it, is Joe's system is all about you having your own eclectically balanced system that works for you, that's unique to you. It's the only one that can work. Not these systems these guys publish and expect you to slavishly follow. It's why the Crowley guys get it wrong, all wanting to be Crowley. You can't be Crowley. You left a template behind of a system that you can adapt to yourself and circumstances, not to be slavishly followed, drug fiends. Okay. You know, after five years, after three years of doing the LBRP, the Lesser Banishing Ritual of Pentagram, I was in the OTO Lodge once, right? And I'm in a lodge full of magicians, or so I thought. Lon Milo Duquette's there, their bishop, that famous author. Yeah, that guy. He's like, well, anyone do the LBRP to clear the space? And not one of these fuckers raises their hand. I'm like, what? So I raise my hand. Okay, okay, fine. So then he's like, well, you can't face the East like it's supposed to be done. You've got to face the Book of the Law, which they had in the West. So you just 
think that's the east and start from there. Okay, fine. Whatever. All right, fine. Fine, Long Milo. Shit. So, okay, I do it. I perform the whole ritual in front of the lodge. Yeah. And they act like they've never seen it in their lives. And Long Milo's like, that's the best LVRP I've seen in 30 years. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm a rookie. <laughs> I just couldn't believe the community's attitude in general. I couldn't believe their lack of work ethic. I couldn't believe their lack of resolve. They were all into Jungian alchemy. I was told by all the New Agers, well, lab alchemy is a false uh, trend. Demons, they don't have objective existences. They're just psychological projections from your own skull that we can you know, kind of reabsorb back in ourselves as instant psychoanalysis. So wow, it's, it sounds, from what you're describing, almost as if people were more attracted to the, the clothing and the, the aesthetic than actually doing the, uh, doing the work. No one wants to do the work. You say those four words of power, those four letters, I should say, that match the letters of the name, by the way, yod hey vav hey. <laughs> you know, Joe's system always works in fours. Read his material and you'll see that for yourself, because in his books, he gives you everything. He gives you everything you need in there. And what you need to do to work Joe's system, the book that should have been written by Mark, not that one about him, is how to use Joe's system correctly. I mean, Joe, te- Joe tells you in his books, but he is so packed and potent with truth on every page, dripping from it. Just, there's so much psychic energy behind it. It's like a hammer, like I said, when I read it. And just, you know, it's definitely calling everything out. It just, uh, there's so much in there that you can't extract it the first, second, third, or fourth time even. That's why he, his method to build subjective synthesis is based on reading, reading, and rereading. Exactly the fiber Sure, sure. For, for the listener, can we talk about this idea of subjective synthesis? Because it's a very important sure. part of what he writes about, right? So, so what is this? Well, it's detailed in depth in Howling's from the Pit, actually. He talks a lot about the different states, concentration, meditation. Um, those are all mental states. He describes them. But subjective synthesis, basically, is you telling the unconscious mind, you're working for me now. <laughs> basically. The same thing you do in the Abramelon, actually, when you raise up the four demon priests, you tell them the same thing. You're working for me now. Now, I'm not going to say I've done that operation. I have not. <laughs> Joe has, but that is exactly what you do with the help of the angels, see? The same fucking thing. So his, he takes that idea and presses it down to his core because he was a scientist. See? So that's how he figured this stuff out. To answer your former question about how did he get this and how did he figure it out, to quote A.E. Waite, a true magician is born from his mother's womb. Okay? To, qu- to quote, uh, I think it's John Norton or one of those guys, the alchemist, he's like, well, out of a million guys, three are going to work. You know, three, three will find this. It's just, there's not many guys in the world that can do it. There's not many people in the world that can pull off Joe's system. There's too much work involved, and they don't want to do it, generally. But, you know... <laughs> What you do with subjective is you basically, it's a conscious technique of putting information into your unconscious mind, okay? And what you do, it's based on the Mutus Liber formula to read, read, reread, pray, and then, give, you know, he, he mirrors that exact formula in his book where he says, study, learn, understand, comprehend, 
practice, which gives you the experiential knowledge, and then apprehend. That's the state, that's the subjective synthesis formula, okay? And it's outlined clearly in both his books, more so in Hellings from the Pit. Yeah, so I was just, just going to say quickly, I, I guess that's why when you look at the instructions, they're so elaborate. It's, it's crazy. So the amount of work that you have to put in to actually just do a, a single operation is really out of this world. I've never seen anything like it, just the amount of effort you would need to put in. Um, does that have something yeah. to do with the subjective synthesis? Because you, you're really living this whole thing the whole time to obtain this result. Well, think about not using a script during a ritual, for instance. Memorizing the entire conjuration, all the prayers, license to depart. You've got to have all the knowledge of those weird symbols you're scribbling on the floor, on that circle you're, you're using, or on that wand that you've inscribed and hopefully consecrated the right way. See, all that stuff has to be done. You know, when I was preparing for the magical part of the curriculum, <laughs> we were during that phase of the Joe period. You know, he's like, well, you need chalk blessed by a Catholic priest. Get it done. That was the instruction. That's just one of them. The one that really sucks is a black-handled knife, cutting it down on a Wednesday, you know, that wand. And you mentioned the oak wand in your uh, podcast with Mark, and the answer to a Joe student in your situation is, I guess I'm flying to America to, on a special trip to get one. Yeah, exactly. You can't use Think a eucalyptus <laughs> tree, can you really? Oh, you cannot. You have to use what is described in the grimoire. So you will fly to America. You will pay someone, bribe someone, know a friend, anything that can be done. If you're really meant to do this, the Lord will help you find a channel, by the way, and you will get it done. And you'll take it back to Australia where it will be used. You know, heck yeah. That's the Joe method. You don't pull any shortcuts. You memorize everything. And yeah, that takes time. To quote Joe, if you're a magician, what are you going to do? Two, two vacations a year? <clears throat> Probably more like one. And between the vacations, what are you doing? Praying. Which is this whole instance of, well, it's time to give up magic, put the toys away, and cross the line into mysticism, where Joe truly shines. <clears throat> magic is nothing. <laughs> it's mysticism that gets the job done, really, with all, without all the slingshot effect, which I've experienced more than once. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> to the letter to the audience what what is this slingshot effect it's it's basically if you've done a ritual you have an effect that comes back to you almost like a karmic effect or something like that or a so, so could you go into what that is and maybe even speak about what happened to you if you don't mind or in fact i just had a slingshot effect happen to me that... yeah okay all right uh, i i could live seven lifetimes and not know it all right <laughs> <laughs> Not no, nearly enough. But what I have done has been <laughs> spectacular to say the least. And anybody could me, me, I'm not special. Do the work and you can get the results yourself, man. Mm. That's all you got to do. What happened was, you know, I gave up magic a long time ago. I crossed that line long ago with Joe. Um, we went from the ceremonial talismanic stuff into, which he is an expert on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And then it goes to high mysticism, as he calls it. Because when how he breaks it down is higher mysticism is lower than high mysticism. Which is weird and confusing if you don't know Joe material very well. But higher mysticism is just the new thought basis, the practical, I'm praying to God and I'm getting physical results. Which equates to 
you ordering something on Amazon and having it come in. So it is the exact same feeling and effect when you do new thought properly. Then he bridges that into the Jacob Bomey type visionary stuff with high mysticism. And since Joe was a Roman Catholic, we did Roman Catholic Christian mysticism. <laughs> and it was glory. Then he got the cancer. And that's when, you know, I'd already been with him seven years at that point. I wasn't giving up on the old man then. No, no way. <laughs> I went out to see him in Pennsylvania in 2014. Uh, I met his wife, Darlene, a true gem. Oh, my God. Uh, saw him, spent a few days there with him, and then came back. Uh, I had my last teaching from him at that house, actually. And then I just called him once a month until he died, basically. I, the last time I called him, I hadn't heard from him in fact. I called him on July 30th, uh, or June 30th, whatever month that was. I think it was June, yeah. I called, and Darlene's like, oh, I'm a nurse. I know a death rattle when I hear one. He will, he'll be dead by morning. And sure enough, he was. You know, I, you know. Uh, anyway, I kind of lost track. Sorry there. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyway, I like I said, I crossed the line into mysticism a long time ago, and then it, that you know, which led to alchemy. So, you know, I'm very new to alchemy. It's only my third season, and you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm a Joe student. You don't do anything right the first time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if your subjective synthesis is built and polished, uh, slingshot effect is lessened because. There's no internal frictions there, okay? Because when you're summoning up magical will, which is where slingshot effect is most profoundly uh, affected, it's a field of force that your mind is creating, and you're directing that thought in a specific way to a specific frequency, as he outlines in axiom number five. That's why everything has to be exact. You can't make changes to grimoires. It's a very fine frequency and tuning you're trying to get here. A vibration and you don't want anything inharmonious to that vibration it's got to be exact now the more out of tune that harmonic is going to be the worse that slingshot effect is going to be now how do we get slingshot generated when you do ritual improperly I made substitutions I did shortcuts I used a eucalyptus tree instead of a hazel wand or whatever okay. That's a, that'd be a surefire way to get a slingshot effect immediately. I did not get a full manifestation of the spirit, the visible appearance. Like, we're not talking through uh, uh, the medium of this box here, but if you were standing right in front of me right now, that'd be the difference between um, a new age evocation, me and you talking on this phone, and real evocation. You were teleporting from Australia right in front of me. Okay, And I can see you, talk to you, I could touch you if I dared, but I'm in a safety circle here, and I got weapons. I don't want that happening. Uh, that's why you work alone. You don't need crazy going on. You know, Joe's first two evocations are disastrous, you know, which he outlines in full in those letters to Regardi. I even have his letter to the Sangreal Foundation trying to find Regardi. Joe kept all of that stuff, you know. He kept every receipt he ever got from PRS. I mean, he's ridiculous. So... You know, when we took the Joe stash, I was a librarian, so it was my job to sort through all that stuff. Three boxes, three totes full of it. You know, besides all the books you left behind, the ritual equipment, which 
you know, Corey was more of the old system guy. He wasn't into alchemy. So he took, you know, Joe's weapons and all his ritual gear and all that stuff. The grimoires, he took all of that. You know, I got most of the alchemy stuff he left behind. And his driver's license, you know, just stuff like that. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, but, you know, uh, he laid a clear path. Now, I started doing alchemy. And of course, you don't do it right. So I got a slingshot effect, even off alchemy, not even magic. And it happens in the exact order as he gives in Axiom 7 to that book. All five things. Um, they happen in order. Why? Joe never knew. I don't either, quite frankly. But I have experienced them three separate times in different intensities. And this last one was pretty fucking bad. Okay. And I think it was because I gave somebody, a friend, some alchemical medicine, just a simple sugeric, but I shouldn't have been doing that shit. <laughs> okay. And the universe fucking let me know by that slingshot effect. Here's what happened. I'm sorry, I'm so long-winded. <laughs> My bad. Now. You can edit some of this out if you want. Um, I just, uh, I haven't talked to Joe with anybody in a long time. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, you dragged up a lot of red here. So, a lot of memory. But anyway, <laughs> about that slingshot effect. Step one, you come into a little bit of money. All right, that's cool. I was doing a job, and we all got tipped, the whole crew, $100 a piece. All right, that's cool. Now, I don't know a slingshot effect's going on right now. It's too early. <laughs> Second thing that happens, number two, part of that original money is lost to the operator. In my case, all of it. <laughs> Before we'd even gotten back to the shop, that $100 was gone. And it was all put, it wasn't a loose $100 bill. It was each $100 bill for each of the crew was in an envelope with our names on it. And I had put it very carefully in my backpack. It was in the truck. Couldn't have flown out. You know, was, at first I thought, well, maybe it fell out of my pocket. I'm searching all the trucks when we get back. Turn the backpack apart because when we get back to the shop, I can't find it. Like, oh, yeah, let's go get some beer. Some guy says, oh, I want to do this. With all this you know, money they just got out of the blue mine's gone so i'm like what it's, oh well some homeless guy's gonna love that okay that's cool so i don't even i still don't think it's a slingshot yet <laughs> i go home now there's this annual uh camp out i go on every year and it's with guys i've known for 30 years some of them uh guys i call my brother okay and the third condition is somebody you know somebody you trust will betray you and a relationship will be ended. That's just the hard truth. That's why you don't do old system magic. Okay. <laughs> if anybody came up to me saying, oh, I want to know Joe technique, I'd say, get out of here. If that kid's really insistent, if he's really insistent, he'll come back and he won't take no for an answer. Like I said, a true magician's born from his mother's womb, not a curiosity stunt. Okay. So anyway, um, I go to the camp out with these guys and I leave that camp out before it's finished halfway through. I'm totally just, we have a falling out. Just, it just explodes very badly. I'm not going to go into details of course, but it was not good. So as soon as I was driving home from that camp out and what had happened in the emotions that it engendered in me and what basically I realized what was going on, I'm getting a slingshot effect. Oh my God. I make a complete break with those guys. I'll never, never go to that camp out again. And I haven't seen those guys since, most of them. Just one of them, the chief. That's it. The chief of that camp out that I go on. 
So I realize I'm in a slingshot effect now. And sure enough, the minor effects are showing up. I'm breaking keys off in locks. And I have to have, I'm stuck at the shop. The guy's locksmith has to come down and get me a new key for the truck because it just happened to break hanging off my belt with nothing touching it. Just in half, you know. Uh, credit card payments. Oh, sure enough, some guy's trying to hack it. Got to get a new one, you know. Uh, getting in accidents and works, having my hands wrung, uh, things like that. My stomach problem I've had for a long time acting up. Those are minor conditions, by the way. So now, all that stuff's going on. I'm like, oh, God, I just got to get in bear it. While this is going on, uh, I'll just, if, for your listeners, the few that are out there, I guess, or whatever. <laughs> um, those guys that are really listening to this and trying to take notes, well, you just got to get through this period and by no means do any magic, do any mysticism or alchemy, do, do no occult work during this period. You got to let this slingshot effect ride out, okay? If you don't, well, <laughs> I don't want to be you. I don't know. I just, I just don't recommend it. I, <laughs> that's pushing saturation as joe calls it you don't want to be doing that um not doing joe's not if you're in the middle of a slingshot effect especially if it's really severe imagine breaking up with the girlfriend you've had for so long or a guy that you felt was your brother or maybe even your actual brother screwing you over okay that that's a number three effect now there's two more left and the fourth one the universe starts it starts to turn a little bit because everything's in cycles. It stops kicking your ass so much. So the fourth thing to happen is, you know, to replace that lost relationship, the one that is so taxing and breaking to you emotionally. Well, some old acquaintance comes out of the woodwork and, oh, hey, how you doing? Huh? Or, you, you know, you make some new acquaintance, some new relationship to compensate for that. That's what number four is. Well, in my case, one of those old polemic guys from back in the day during my Golden Dawn heyday calls me out of the blue and we start talking on the phone weekly. And man, talking to him, great. Oh, I feel a lot better. See how it's working now. So, and then number five, a little bit of money comes back to the operator, the belagered, thrashed, hammered operator. <laughs> he gets a little bit of money. The universe giving him his come up and saying, it's okay. And you know, just next time be careful, kind of. So, well, I walk out of my uh, bedroom one morning, and there's a table right by the door walking out where mail is kept and the keys, things like that. I walk out, and there's this crumpled up envelope on there next to my keys. And I'm like, man, what's this trash doing here? I pick it up, throw it in the recycling bin. My name's on it. I'm like, what? Come on. I open this envelope, and there's a $100 bill in it. I wager probably the exact $100 bill in envelope I lost originally, and this was two months later. That is the slingshot effect being worked out. Well, that's Joe's system. If you want to believe in miracles in this work, Joe's system is where it is. If you have the guts to go down that path, it's nuts. You know, Joe would talk about magic being like playing Russian roulette with all six barrels loaded. You know, he would say there's more of this packed up than what? Sorry. I was just going to say, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? This sounds super intense. Like, what, what do you get out of this? Like, do you uh, grow spiritually in some way? I mean, what, what, is, 
what's the outcome? For example, what I mean is like say in Buddhism, for example, there is a lofty goal at the end, you know, enlightenment, right? So you're on this path. And, well, is there? Well, I don't know. I guess it's a different argument. But I, I, I just wonder with this kind of thing, what is, what is the end point to it? Like, what are you trying to get out of this? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're trying that to a spiritual way, well, not necessarily. Gilder Reyes, who was sacking all those kids, uh, you know, in his castle back in the day, uh, trying to get money out of Satan. That was a pure. That was a purely physical thing. There was nothing spiritual about that whatsoever. Yeah. Sacking all those kids with that guy, he did. You know, that is physical power. That is what the grimoires are made for: physical results. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a trick. A lot of those spirits will teach you alchemy and geometry and the ways of the heavens and things like that, which are very knowledge-based or even psychic abilities, depending on the nature of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what they will do. According to Joe's system of working, okay, according to Joe's system of working. Now, there's going to be a lot of guys that cannot accept that. And they got a the subjective view is just their view of the universe, and that's how it is, mm -hmm. which is what Axiom 4 tells you in his book. You can look at these things objectively with their own existence, real entities that you can contact with real power through dimensional portals that we don't understand by conventionary science, or they can just be parts of your own mind that you reject and you try to heal yourself with. Mm -hmm. Take your pick. Either one's fine. Joe says to do old system magic as I define, you have to take a certain view. <laughs> and you build your subjective synthesis around that. Mm -hmm. It's a deep visceral conviction, a belief that this is going to happen, a faith that turns to knowing. Okay. Yeah. That knowing only comes through practical experience. Once you've summed up one of these things, even the wrong way, once, you'll know the validity of what's in there. And then you'll be able to judge for yourself whether you should proceed or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've seen all kinds of slingshot effects. I even got them from my Golden One jerk uh, work before I was even working with Joe. Um, I have a, my Luchesky commentaries outlines all his uh, axioms. And for number seven, the slingshot effect. Let's see. Hold on here. <laughs> this is written in 2006. It's a long time ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, let's see. The five major conditions of slingshot effect. Okay. As usual, this is my commentary to uh, axiom number seven by Dr. Lachesky, which uh, for the readers is in the process of evocation to physical manifestation, there exists a possibility of what I term the slingshot effect. Although this effect is most severe, the evocational act, it's a distinct possibility in any magical act. <laughs> including that of a simple evocation. So you see, the more juice you have running the higher vibrational rate, the worse this effect is going to be. <laughs> Not good. But it, in general, it results from an improper subjective synthesis and the resulting subconscious belief system. Because if you've done the work and you've done all of this uh, internalization, gathering all the weapons, memorizing all the conjurations, that's, you're basically doing the ritual already before you even drawn a circle on the ground. Mm -hmm. Talk about subjective synthesis being built. Mm -hmm. So then when you actually go into the ritual action, your unconscious mind knows exactly what to do. So, of course, boom, it's a given. The spirit's going to appear. And since you're in a state of divine bliss at the time, well, you're going to have problems controlling that as it is. Okay? Mm -hmm. More or less a side of these technicalities. Another reason to have things memorized. Yeah. 
But if you're going to do this kind of work. Now, as far as pathworking, I was doing golden on pathworking up the tree at this point when I got these slingshot effects. Mm. And this happened over a series of months. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I've seen slingshot effects as described. I'm currently going through the third part of major conditions already. <laughs> the hospital visit didn't help anything either. I was in there for two weeks because I wrote this while I was bedridden in the hospital. Anyway, <laughs> I was definitely weak during that period. It's a very strange thing. During our pathworking sessions, I saw numerous effects happen to flared tempers, to operators losing jobs, to cars breaking down. This happened to me. To physical illness during the write, almost a forwarding of the tower process I have just gone through, to completely going into dark, evil, left-hand cliffothic magic, this being the worst one. This operator was already so inclined in a way, it just got full-blown as of the workings. And I worry for him and hope he's okay and doesn't destroy himself. He does lots of eulocation and breaks most of the axioms wrote down here, especially number six, number 10, and number two. I've also seen this minorly in all the working I did that was sketchy or incomplete. That's a quote for me, uh, I don't know, that's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it is borne out over time. It is an exact force. Mm -hmm. Now, guys that have never really experienced a slingshot effect will say it doesn't exist. It's not true. As Joe would say, New Age magic doesn't have enough power to give you a no noticeable slingshot effect. It'll be too vast of a period for you to notice. You know, that last one I got from Alchemy was two months. But if you're doing evocational magic, that's going to be instantaneous. That'll be the next day that shit starts going down. So, so with, with the, so we'll just go back to the ritual evocation part. Um, so you've done this before. And is it your opinion that these entities, whatever they are, are they objective? Or do you think that they're like subjective representations of subconscious drives or something else? The latter view being prominent amongst the cultists yeah. in general, I would say. What is that? What, what do yeah. you think? Yeah. Well, just for the audience, have objective you like. All the way. Sure, sure. Objective all the way. Physical results in everything. That's why he was a lab alchemist. That's why in New Thought, it's about tangible physical results. You know, the Jacob Bomey stuff, that's different. But his New Thought basis, it's all about, it's like I say, ordering something on Amazon. Mm. And, and it it, have your order from the universe in this case. Sure. And what is the nature of, of these entities, do you think? What, what are they? When you're... Mark said they were supercharged chaotic thoughts, forces. He's absolutely correct. Mark Savish, he gets nothing wrong. He always tells the truth. He just doesn't tell it all. <laughs> you know, in his book, he says, well, the students of Joe uh, did his magical aspersion right, and they really liked it because it was quick and easy, and it appeared to work. What do you mean, appeared to, Mark? Don't you believe this stuff actually happens and has any uh, effect? And there's the rub. Most magicians in this line, most occultists out there don't. They don't really believe this shit works. Not really. <laughs> well, once you have a faith turned to knowing, once you do an evocation, you'll have enough physical effects around you, you'll know it's true. And then you'll have a slingshot effect to worry about. Okay? So you'll find out for yourself. You don't have to believe anything. You can test and know if you're willing to do the work as prescribed. Now, if you don't do the work as prescribed and try a physical evocation, 
you're going to get a slingshot effect. Sorry, that's going to happen. Just make your subjective synthesis accordingly by reading the material, studying and learning it, reading it again and understanding it, reading it a third time and comprehending it, and then making sure everything is memorized, all your internal questions about the right in any instance are answered, and you've got it deadpan, which could take months, right? Depending on the student, you know, hell, maybe years. Can we uh, talk about like where do you think this this grim war magic? Where do you think it comes from? What's what's the origin of it? Is it Egypt or like what? Where do you think it it came from? Do you have any theories? No, we don't need theories. Joe tells us where it comes from. Really, I mean, his history is so well written in chapter two. Ridiculous. He thinks it comes from Catholic priests. The Western grimoires he's talking about, though, not the Picatrix, that Arabic grimoire, okay? Not that Icelandic grimoire about runes, not some South American grimoire, not some Australian grimoire. European, Western, medieval magic grimoires only, and he tells you exactly what they are. He lists all of them practically in his book. So specifically those grimoires. So it comes about just as he described it, and that's as likely a story as any and you know what? It doesn't really matter the exact um, reasons why or how. Those details are irrelevant to subjective synthesis building. They have to be known, but you have to know the history, yeah, a workable theory so you can put it into practice. And that is the most, you know, if there's another theory out there, let's hear it. Build your subjective synthesis around that one, you know. But to work Joe's system as he outlines it in his books, that's the history that's required. Kind of like in his Kabbalah books. The Kabbalah that's required to work Joe's system is all in his books. Not in 777, not in Skinner, Goodwin, not from Ruklin, not from Gershom Sholem. Not from David Allen Hulse, no one. But that book right there, that's all you need. And he lists every correspondence. To work Joe's system. We've spoken a bit about the negative effects, the slingshot effects. What are some positive outcomes? you've experienced study with a guy for a decade if i was getting disastrous results constantly that'd be insane i'm sure, well maybe there's some guys out there that would i just don't, i don't know uh no i'm not one of those guys i'm a physical results kind of guy so just like joe so you know we started the training and the results they just to quote joe if you take care of the details i.e I. subjective synthesis building so if you take care of the details the results take care of themselves. You don't have to fret about results if you're doing the work. So you start out in his training very basically, and you work your way up until you're doing ceremonial uh, orations, John D. prayers, as he outlines in his book, by memorized, of course. You know, <laughs> and that's a long prayer, man. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of names of God in that one, and they got to be in the right order, not the wrong order. So, you know, uh, yeah, it all takes time. And people will say, well, all that magic and ceremonial, just it sounds like so much work. And you know what's right? They're, they're right. It is. It is too much work. They're right. But Joe would say, well, you know what else takes too long? Success. <laughs> you know what else takes too long? Results. Make haste slowly. You ever heard that one? You know. 
it's, it's just there is no instant gratification, quick fix, especially in magic, in mysticism, none of that. It's a slow, natural progression, student by student basis. There's no equality here. It's every student has its own merits and their own abilities their own internal template, and they go as far as they can go in this lifetime. And when they get it wrong, they'll get rebooted into the next incarnation, do it again until they're the master adepts they dream of now. Awesome. And then you'll be told at the cosmic scale of things, well, rookie, now you're ready for the real work. Oh, shit. What results do you, do you get? So say if you do one of these rituals, like are you looking what for else? a... A, an enhanced character trait of some sort or an enhanced knowledge or like it could just be a I want money or something like what what do you aim to yeah, get it from it anything physical love new jobs money knowledge like you say uh anything but when you tell a demon you know take me to the nearest treasure it'll take you to the nearest bank you got to word things carefully which he outlines ex- very exhaustingly in ceremonial magic on his charge session you got to be like a lawyer. That's right. It's just like Mark said. If you say, have the spirit of Saturn kill this dude, he'll blow the whole building up. Just like Mark said. Unless you detail exactly how that guy's supposed to die, like in that anime death note. I mean, you've got to be that exact. Um, not that I've ever killed anybody with magic. I'm not saying that. I'm just, uh, <laughs> in fact, spirits of Saturn are not recommended to be fucked with at all, really. In fact, old system magic isn't really meant to be. Joe said that magic was basically dead and uh, nobody would be doing it correctly in the next 20 years. And we're on a decade almost. Well, we're shooting a decade since he's been gone. So, you know, uh, guys doing this kind of evocational act, nobody. I know one guy, the other student at Joe's doing this. That's it. I don't do this. I could. And sometimes you got to break the old stuff out, you know couple houses back I was in was haunted you know there was a ghost in it and my stepson was seeing a shadow in the basement and uh the keys were getting moved we were hearing sounds one time I was in the bedroom and it was kind of feng shui so it was all like a corridor the way the house was laid out and I hear the door open the keys hit the ground the thumping of the thuds coat hitting the thing and I think my wife's coming home I get up hey honey how's it going nobody's out there what well, then, a couple of weeks later, it happens to my wife. She thinks I'm coming home. Same thing. She goes out, nobody there. Well, then it happens that the landowners, the, the, the guy we're renting from, he's going to sell the place. Uh, well, he's, well, he didn't tell us that at first. He was looking to improve some things. I didn't really catch on at first. He comes out, and he says how his mom died in that house. I'm like, what? What was your mom's name? Because once you've got a name, you're in. <laughs> Which is a problem with the Goetia, by the way. You know, you're calling this spirit. Hey, David. Hey, David. Hey, David. My name's Larry. What do you want? You know. <laughs> okay. It was just usually that's why Joe thought they were so rambunctious when they showed up. You know, just full anger and manifestation because they were pissed off, basically. But anyway, you know, I I have the the mom's name that died, so. Everybody's gone one evening, and I go to the basement, draw the stuff on the floor, and I summon her visible appearance. And I say, look, I don't know, you know, I don't care if you're here or not, but quit moving my fucking keys. Or I will get really nasty with your ass. Don't make me whip out a blasting rod. <laughs> and all effects cease. 
everything was fine. That ghost was here and no one noticed it and everything was fine. Until the son sold the house, which she did not like at all, then everything started up again, all those manifestations I just described. But since we were moving out anyway, it was only a month left, we understood the old woman, we kind of felt bad for her. So we're like, well, okay, we'll let this go. I'm not, you know, that's all right. So uh, that's one case where I had to go back across the line to strip the old tools back out to take care of something. But I mean, that's happened once in 15 years, you know. Uh, well, 12 years maybe since when I was doing magic with Joe, because we crossed the line fairly quickly. It was a five-year program. It was a five years of ceremonial, five years of mysticism, and then five years of alchemy as it was originally intended. But at the alchemy part, Joe caught the cancer, like I said. So he couldn't complete that part for me, but he planted the seeds ahead of time because he knew what was going to happen before I did. And then everything fell into place. So now I'm doing alchemy full time. And, and the outcome of your alchemical work is more mystical, I guess, using laboratory alchemy. Obviously, the, out, the, the well, desired outcome of alchemy. Yeah, sorry. Go what? Sorry. I was just going to say, sorry. obviously, the outcome is uh, obtaining the Philosopher's Stone. And is, is Joe's system uh, developed well, to do it? that? I don't know. You tell me. You're the is, expert. Every alchem is going to be unique too. We're not all the same. Maybe you want the Philosopher's Stone, and it could be the creme de la creme of manifestations. But uh, there's other reasons to get into the work as well. And Joe's reasons, you know, he thought the Philosopher's Stone was kind of minor compared to the water work. That's why he did that work, you know, the homunculus and whatnot. He was instant, you know, his whole thesis is on the basis of uh, the origin of life. So, he was very interested in creation and its power. You're talking about godlike things here, you know, <laughs> super knowledge to a scientist like him. So that's why he went down the path he did. So did he make the Philosopher's Stone? Well, maybe. But that wasn't his focus. You know, after that homunculus experiment failed, he basically quit alchemy for all intents and purposes after that. He was so almost destroyed by that operation, honestly. And, I mean, he talked about it with me one time in the 10 years I knew him. And it was never mentioned again. So, you know, now, I'm not going to try and be Joe. I'm not going to do the homunculus work. Now, I am interested in waterworks, but not that one. <laughs> and I'm very interested in any medicines I can generate of any type, plant, animal, or metal. But, you know, I'm a Rosicrucian fan. They say you shall do nothing but heal, and that critique. That means we do nothing. We don't charge for medicines. They're given free to anyone that comes along. When the time is right, like I told your listeners and you, I got whacked doing that too early. Slingshot effect. So, you know, I'm in my third season now. I'm going to let it go a few while longer and get some higher elevations in the lab. And then maybe we'll go back and we'll readdress some of that later. I don't know. But I could tell from that, you know, see, that's another thing about Joe's system. There's a barometer there. When you fuck up on the physical plane doing an experiment, you're told, you know, in certain terms, on all levels, okay? You can't change the spiritual, of course. It's unchanging. But your psychic stuff can go haywire. Emotionally, you can be distraught. Mentally, you can be up and down the ropes. And physically, don't even get me into that nightmare. I described some of the effects already. 
It can get way worse. It can have you falling down ladders, getting in car accidents, you name it. You know, doing magic. So, you know, and if in alchemy, I suppose, think about a, something gone wrong. You're doing some kind of uh, metal tincture that you weren't fit to prepare yet, and you poison somebody with it, and they die. You know, think about something like that happening. You know, uh, Rigardi is a classic example of that. So he was doing metal work, and it was, what was it? It was some chemical that he It's antimony. In. Antimony, that's it. Yeah. It was antimony, yeah. And he'd done the operation many times, as Joe says in his book. But he was shocked, and he breathed it in. You know, I have the letter from Rigardi, and it says this. Nothing against the guy, okay? It's direct to Joe, and it says, quote, Joe, I'm just not much of an alchemist. I mean, that's from Rigardi himself. You know, in another letter, Joe's like, well... Regardy, I've got 2,000 mil foxlets going day and night. I'll keep you supplied in tincture from plants. I know another guy that made an antimony tincture for Regardy. So all the evidence backs up Regardy's own statement. <laughs> it's ridiculous. When you get the clues and you're a historian like me, you can just trace that thing down and get to the nitty-gritty of, of, of the reasons why. And then once you find out some guy, other guy's motivations behind you and magic, you can understand your own, maybe, and then get to the real work, okay, of knowing thyself and getting the job done, whatever that might be. It's going to be different for every individual, man. Subjective synthesis is unique to each person. They all learn differently. But the formula is based on the mutus liber, and it works. I've taught it before. And I'll probably teach it again. I'm looking for two students who can really do Joe work, and I still haven't found them. <laughs> I've tried to train a couple guys. It's not going well. They, you know, there's a certain point where they just crap out. It's too intense for them. And Joe had many students over the years. Uh, over the 10-year period I knew him, he had at least 25 individuals come and go. And like Mark says, at the end, there was five guys left. Although he has the initials on him wrong, a couple of them. The G, I know that guy personally, and uh, uh, no, he wasn't one of the five. He was way before them. That's all right. There's things in Mark's book that aren't right. But that, you know, I mean, he doesn't lie, but he just, you know, so, like I said, my thing about Mark's book is it's about him. I don't care. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> I don't care. If you're killing it, Mark, you shouldn't be asking the Internet for money for you to save your Institute for Hermetic Studies. That just happened this year. If you're killing it in this field and you know evocation like Joe knows it, it's not a problem getting money. Although, Joe had a problem with that later on. But I think it was because of the guys he was working with at the time that he names in the book by the initials D and S. Or uh, R and S, rather. Because <clears throat> he uses initials for everybody. So <laughs> Mark does. You know, even me. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's all good. You know, it doesn't matter. Joe had it. Joe did what he needed to do, and there's a lot of sides to that guy. There's stuff, you know, Mark was very censored, and he tells all the truth, but he holds a lot back. Some of it he has to hold back. I'll give him that. He's very critical there. He's very careful there. <laughs> but the only way to know Joe's truth is to learn it for yourself. You've got to find Corey and have him teach you. Cool. Those letters that you have. Uh... Oh, sound extremely valuable. That's uh, something else to possess letters um, from Rigardi to uh, to Joe and 
vice versa. It's quite quite impressive. Well, from a historical right, from a historical aspect, yes, but from a learning the occult aspect, no. You know, they don't detail techniques of any um, rituals. That was all phone talk. And uh, those notes are set aside. They're not in the letters themselves. Those are separate notes of his. Um, the letters are just, you know, it starts out with the mentor thing. Just as he describes in his book, which turns into a friend, you know, I have Christmas cards from regarding him, stuff like that. Uh, just They had a relationship that lasted up until he died, just like he says. Joe lied about nothing. And, and you don't how, have to leave Joe. Test me. I, I did yeah, sure. How do you feel about Brigatti's work? Obviously, he wasn't just about magic. He did a lot of body work and stuff like that because he was a Reikian therapist, I guess, part-time or a chiropractor or whatever it was. Do you think there's any value in that kind of stuff? Well, I have the letters that Joe sent about his Reikian trips, his therapy sessions that he had that he writes to Regardi about, and they are actually pretty hilarious. Oh, my God. So yeah, he that was you know that was a Regardi idea that you had to take psychotherapy. He was a psychiatrist, and he's not quite wrong there because most people that go into the occult they're just not prepared. So that's what it sounds know, like to me from everything you're saying at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, well they'll have psychotic breaks, whatever. They're going to have imbalances. Um, just it just Regardi was a believer in that they should go through the psychotherapy so they don't have those effects. Um. And Joe underwent and some some with Rigardi, did he? He had to to work with him, yeah. So he did it. He drove 100 miles or more. Or something. I have the exact amount in the letters, but it's over 100 miles he had to drive back and forth, and he was bringing a guy with him. So he had his session and then wait, wait for, waited for his friend, the same guy that uh, did the evocations with him originally, actually, that guy. Uh he had to wait for that guy's session to end too, and then drive all the way back home. And he did it for a long time. <laughs> did I do that? Yeah, in a minor way. Um, Joe had me doing a Sagioli work. That's how we got around that, which is exactly what he prescribes in his book. Yeah. And we did that. Robert, uh, Roberto Sagioli is the, uh, he's the, uh, psychiatrist that he would advocate in his books, the guy that wrote Act of Will and Psychosynthesis. Even the New Agers talk about Psychosynthesis. That's a pretty uh, uh, famous book. And the thing about Asagioli, he didn't really like psychology. He hated it, really. But he said that Asagioli was the only guy that broke you apart and put you back together again. Kind of like alchemy. Breaks the mind apart and puts it back together Complete whole, a fresh new being, purified. Okay. Every other psychologist, Joe said, well, you could go for, you know, psychotherapy or psychoanalysis for 20 years and be as fucked up as you went in. <laughs> and it, of course, the results aren't there. You see, he wants results, so he leans to a Sagioli. And when you break down a Sagioli system, it's a fine system of doing just what I just described. Joe had other ways and means that he taught the students, but Asagioli was an extra bonus, you could say, that he threw on. Because I, you know, when I was working with him, I wasn't asking him about PRS alumni. Okay, I wasn't uh, asking him about the who's who in the occult world or any of this other crap. I was always on the phone for an hour, and it was to get the job done. And I wanted as much teaching as that guy as I could absorb at any given moment, all of it. Well, I didn't get all of it, but. 
I got a lot of it. We wasted no time in our work. Did he want there to be a lineage? So after he was gone, did he want to pass it on to you and other students? Was that the intention for him? Yeah, to some students. And some of them didn't like the roles he was giving them, so they quit. That was one excuse from one guy. Other guys didn't like paying his remittance fees. I would say best 100000 I ever spent. <laughs> best 100000 I ever spent. $850 a month for two, you know, I was calling them multiple times a week. That's, you know, you pay a psychologist 100 bucks an hour. Well, this is a spiritual advisor. And if it's not abused and you apply it and get use out of it, I don't say that's money wasted. And I've gotten all of that shit back since. You got to be in it for the long haul. That's all. You got to go into this work knowing that you're not going to die not completing it. You're going to work and you're going to keep working. And then when you're going to die, you're probably going to keep working after that. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, uh, Joe had his guys he answers to, and I've got my orders too. So, you know, uh, there's levels to this shit. It's all good. If you want to read about that, read The Cloud Upon the Sanctuary. That'll tell you. The same book that uh, A.E. Wade gave Crowley when he was asking about secret orders. Read that book. With, with these, these orders, what, what's the end game? Is there some Franz Baden-like uh, cosmic, magical, occult war going on or something? Or what, what is, uh, what's going on here in this world? Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Each, yeah. Well, you'd have to eat. You'd have to ask each um, uh, magical, mystical, or fraternal order what their mission statement is and what they're about. See if they'll tell you. I'm not some expert on uh, group work. Joe system, you don't do group work. It's all single. And if there is one for order behind everything, it's the Great White Brotherhood. If there is, if you believe in such a thing. And maybe if you read a cloud upon the sanctuary, you might get an inkling of the idea behind it and its mission and your place in it. Um, and, you know, we're down here manifested in Malkuth, okay? And it, according to the former fraternitatis, only those who have eyes of the eagle can see these guys. Astral vision, beyond the mortal pale, in another dimension, what have you. But if they truly are the guardians of this world, making sure that it doesn't blow itself apart, well, I'm sure they're getting it all well in hand. That's fine. You know, if I need to be contacted by those guys, they'll show up. You know, I don't care. You know, whatever. Uh, fine. You know, I'll make you a cup of tea. Give me my orders. But you know, so far they're being pretty silent on my part. Part. You know, just like aliens haven't landed in my backyard. If it's meant to be. They will. Yeah, you know, I'm not concerned about it. You know, I got work to do. We're down here in Malkuth. That means manifestation of the spirit. That's why we're down here. So start manifesting results in your life, whether that be on an emotional, psychic, or physical level, whatever that might be, or maybe all four. <laughs> it's your choice, see? And that's another thing no one wants is responsibility. They want someone else, some master adept, to hold their hands up the ladder and carry them up there. They want to be told the answers, not work them out for themselves. They don't want to experience the occult. They want to be told what the occult is. It's just not the right approach if you want results. And if you want to work Joe's system, there's no greater disaster. That's the difference between the New Age and Joe's system. And I'm not trying to be on New Age 
as he defined it, I'm not trying to get down on him saying, oh, you guys are fucked up and wrong and screw you guys, you're totally incorrect. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they get their kind of results and Joe gets his kind of results. Choose your path accordingly. That's all. No big deal. No big deal, man. When you look at the, the world as it is right now, I feel like I'm living in a bit of an insane asylum, to be honest. Worldview or magic, and I know what you're saying, it's about theurgical aims and developing yourself no matter what the external circumstances are. Is, do, do you, how do you see the world as it is right now? Are we, like, for example, in Hindu philosophy, you have something like uh, the Kali Yuga, and we're enmeshed in that at the moment. You know, that's one explanation for what's going on. Do you have any views on the way the world is right now with kind of stuff going down at a, an increased pace, we could say? <laughs> well, well, the universe works in cycles in a circle, right? Everything begins and ends. It's all happened before. It'll happen again. And uh, it's perfectly natural. And I'm glad it's in God's hands. I'm glad God's taken care of it. Wow, the stress off me. Awesome. Now I can get down to my work. Fucking sweet. It's just a natural cycle like anything else. And if you study magic, if you study mysticism or alchemy, if you get into the occult sciences and really try to apply these laws that everyone talks about that no one follows, well, if you try to actually apply them to your life, you'll understand that it works in cycles and that you don't have to worry about it and that it is in God's hands. You won't have to believe me telling you that. You'll know it yourself. See, that is the thing about Joseph's thing. It's experiential, it's hands-on, and it's physical results all the way in all branches of the occult, backed by law, natural cycles, and everything else, backed from a guy that learned from some of the greatest in the industry of our time, Regardi and Albertus, come on, man. And through Regardi, I can go back to Crowley, who I don't care about at all, really, but from Crowley, I can get to Mathers and Bennett, and Alan Bennett I like, okay? I had dreams early on in the occult that I was him. <laughs> that's weird shit. And that's like the only past life thing I've ever experienced. And I've all, you know, I've spent the last 22 years in the occult trying to figure it out. But there's a picture of uh, Alan Bennett by my bedside. You know, Joe's out here in the kitchen. <laughs> do, you, do you think there's like an occult element to some of the darker forces in the world that are operating at the moment? Well, it depends on your worldview. Hmm. And in an infinite universe with different uh, uh, parallel dimensions and all that thing, everything goes. So any theory is pretty much valid. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like the chaos guys say, surprisingly, nothing is true, everything is permitted. Wow, that's really interesting. And I, in this world that we're living in now, I'd say this is Satan's world and we're living in it. Hmm. Cool. And if he shows up on my doorstep, I will give him the middle finger for a third time. Cool. <laughs> third time. Well, yeah. Satan's world and we're living in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I was just going to go say, you, you referenced a manuscript, your notes uh, earlier. Are they published? Do you have any intention on publishing them? I told you I don't want to be famous. Yeah. And surprisingly, uh, you know, I had room in the back of this journal, and I give license to anyone who reads it to, they can read it, no problem. But all I have to do, well, the condition is to um, uh, write in the journals blank pages in the back, 
of their experience of, um, of uh, the journal and what it meant to them. And it's only happened to one person. And it happened 20 years after it was written. Uh, 15 years, I guess it was last year, I guess, 15 years, 2006. I don't know, however many years it's been. Uh, I gave it to her, and she wrote four beautiful pages after she gave it back because I was about to teach a student, Joseph, some more so I thought. And uh, in, in the notes that she writes, and it's like, oh, God, I, I didn't know what I had until I had to give this back. And, oh, there's so much truth in these pages. And it's just a commentary on ceremonial magic and the art of evocation, the first three chapters. And my introduction to Joe and how I got involved with them, all the emails that we did, they're all saved and printed in there. Not handwritten, but they're printed from the Outlook Express I was on at the time or whatever. And uh, uh, they're all pasted in. As soon as I start working with Joe, the Golden Donners were clamoring me to work with them. I've been trying to get into their order for two years. Okay. And as soon as I start with Joe, they all want me to come in and work with them. That's in there. <laughs> and then, you know, I've got the Ten Commandments written in Hebrew because they line up with the axioms and the Tree of Life exactly. And, you know, there's a couple other things. But basically, yeah, I mean, it would be helpful to the student on one level if they apply it. But Joe writes everything you need in his text. I'm not trying to get famous. What I need is two students, okay? That's the Rosicrucian mandate. You've got to teach two guys before you're dead. And I'm not a Rosicrucian, but I am very uh, – uh, inspired by them and you know when i started out this business i hand copied the trauma and the confessio by hand in my magical journals and i've tried to live up to those ever since that's why we don't charge for alchemical medicine you shall do nothing but heal and expertise not that i'm giving medicine out yet i got slingshotted so i'm i'm holding off on that but you know <laughs> otherwise yeah it's all good with joe's system i've gotten everything i've ever wanted okay in that five-page autobiography, I told him what my mission was and what I wanted to do, and I'm achieving it <laughs> on all levels, man. When I did the working, the collier working, to get my, my truck that I still drive today, I come home, and my wife's like, we need to get two vehicles. What the fuck? <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> I didn't get one. I got two. Yeah. Uh, and the new thought, my God, I, everything that's happened in my life is because of that. It's not the magic. It takes too long. Okay? It takes too much effort and requirements. Even if you've got the weapons already, each operation is its own animal. And you just, it's just not, it's too dangerous, slingshot effect, all this. When you, trans, when you go over to the mystic side of things, you're doing new thought prayer techniques or the high mysticism stuff, like Jacob Bomey visionary stuff. Once you elevate your vibration enough, I, you know, enough, well, you'll have a direct contact to the divine, which is what all these systems tell you they're going for. From Golden Dawn to OTO to everybody. I think even the witches uh, even talk about it a little bit. So they're all talking about this divine genius and the guardian angel and all this and your purpose and your mission and all this. Well, you want to know that stuff, start doing the work, and maybe you'll find it out. That's all. Pick your system and go at it. Don't do, you know, seven systems at once. You master of all. Yeah, you can have a great conversation about the occult, but where's the manifestation of it? You're rising on the plains and not paying your water bill, as Joe would say. You know? <laughs> I feel like 
what you're saying here is like the, the discipline required is immense. And that's the same, like if you want to get good at anything, right? If you're an engineer or I don't know, anything, you need to put a lot of effort in. But it also sounds quite dangerous. So it's almost like you're going to have to have a really strong ego that can withstand these very unusual things happening to you. Um, this is not a question of getting instant results by any stretch. So I, 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 this is definitely not on the menu for most people today. I feel like finding students is going to be difficult for you. <laughs> That's my feeling. But um, Well, as Joe said, you know, take Jesus Christ as an example, okay? The master teaches his students, the apostles, who can replicate his miracles, not at first, but later, after the Holy Spirit gets into them. And then their students, you don't hear anything about them, do you? Because they couldn't get the same results that their teachers. After two generations, he basically says the teachings altered, corrupted, changed, and it's just not the same anymore. So it's basically done. It's morphed into something else or it's dead altogether. And in an old system case, I would say it's a dead altogether type of thing. Until that true magician is born again into this world who reads Joe's books, takes them at their word, and investigates all these grimoires that are being republished beautifully these days, and try to find it out for themselves. There will be those guys in the future. So I don't agree with Joe where it will be completely dead because there's records left behind. But there will be only a few guys in the world doing that at any given time. That's all I'm saying. And will it be according to Joe's system completely, as I understand it? Well... Maybe not, unless I get those two students that'll carry it on. But, you know, that's, like I say, it's so demanding, it's almost impossible. But I think, in some ways, the students I'm supposed to teach are being born now. They're not, they may not even be incarnated yet, possibly. I don't know. We'll see. I got a lot of work to do yet, so it's all good. So with your alchemy, um, what's your passion with alchemical work? You've mentioned tinctures and spagyrics. Is, is there some element that you're going to pursue more than the others that is a part of your path? Well, no. I'm going to do what the teacher prescribed, just like I did when I followed Joe. Now, Robert Bartlett, who is my teacher, he teaches here in the Northwest at his Spagyricus Institute. He also took all seven years at PRS. He worked at Paralab. He's been doing alchemy for 50 fucking years. He's basically a living adept. If there is such a guy that you could meet, that's one. Okay. And he teaches ex exactly as he was taught. He just came out with the book on antimony, which Frater Albertus wanted to publish while he was alive and never did. It took Robert to do it. And it's just been released. Okay. The book on antimony. And he tells you how to do Kirkring, Menstrum, Glass, everything. Fixed and unfixed tincture. It's all in there. His notes from PRS, the history, color photographs. It's just one of the best alchemical texts ever done. I mean, there's a few of them in the modern day that are really good. That guy from Britain, Heliopolis, his book is really fantastic. You know, uh, Lenny uh, Pedersen just came out with uh, Jean Dubuis, the French guy, the PON guy. He's just did a third edition of his text. And Spagyrics is the first one, but there's two volumes of the metalwork coming out, plus his two Kabbalah books. So... <laughs> Sweet. Plus, there's the guys from the International Alchemy Guild. Some of those guys, Laporte, Eric Laporte, that guy's publishing a bunch of nice books. I mean, 
It's all out there if you want to do the work. No problem. The teacher's there if you want to find the teacher. You know, when the student's ready, he will appear. And it's happened to me more than once. It happened with Joe, and it happened with Robert. I'm guided on my path. I don't have to guess that. I know that, see? And I'm not trying to brag. It's just a result of doing Joe work. I'm not bragging at all. I'm not special. It's just a work of doing, it's just doing the work and getting the results. If you take care of the details, the results will take care of themselves. They will happen to you. You don't have to tell the universe how to manifest this stuff. It has infinite channels. It'll do it on its own. With no help with your dumbass, you're fine. Just do the work and let the universe do its. That's all. Uh, alchemy isn't dying if there's that many quality books coming out. I mean, uh, it well, sounds like it's not dying at all. Yeah. No, it's not dying at all. It's here to stay. It's, it's meeting a. It's, it's having a very nice rebirth. You know, Alberta saved it in the '60s, and then he died in the '80s. Pun continued. And there was Paracelsus College in Australia, which just folded this year as well, that college down there where you're at. But there's another Australian down there who won the Paracelsus Award for Teaching, who took Robert's classes, who's teaching alchemy now. His name's Ben. He lives down where you're at right now. That guy's fantastic. I took, I took, uh, the, I took the metal classes with that guy and the Germans, and uh, he is fantastic, that guy. And he's in the IAG. Mm-hmm. But we don't really do much guild work. I don't, I'm not on the internet. I don't have social media. I don't have an email address, really. I mean, I do and I don't. It's, it's, it's wise I, I don't have, have Facebook any or any of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I'm missing much. <laughs> and if I publish books on the occult, who would read them? If I publish books on the occult, who fucking would read them? Yeah. No one would give a shit. I would. I'd, I'd be here reading them uh, for interest's sake. <laughs> one reader. What I need is a guy who goes work and understand Joe that completely. That's what I need. Yeah. I need guys that want to know his system and will do whatever it takes to get it done. That's what I'm looking for. Mm. Because as a, as a guy that took it himself over 10 years, uh, the results, just the expansion, I just, come on, man. It, it is well worth the trip. Okay. If I had to do it and spend the money again and all that time, the 10 years, I'd do it again right now. Um, that's how effective it is. But you got to be willing to work is all. And that's the trouble is finding that guy. That's what I'm trying to do. So, or gal. Okay, I won't rule you gals out either. But I'm trying to find somebody. So this may be a, a, a valuable way to put the message out. So if there are any listeners hearing this call right now and you feel compelled to do this, maybe get in contact with me and we can set something up. Hmm. Well, that's nice. Yeah, I don't... You know, like I say, it's a rare thing, but it's all right. I just I regret nothing about Joe uh, working with him at all. Uh, his extreme personality, we got along really well, and you know, he said some really shocking stuff. Um, <laughs> he said some crazy. Okay, his time travel stuff is just off the wall. There was his whole attack on the New Age movement. His whole, just everything he talked about all these occultists over the years and what should be done. You know. I remember Howling's in the Pit when it was a journal, and then Mark hacked it up with his stupid commentary and his introduction, which he still hasn't taken out, or that dedication to his family, which is why Joe cut him in the first place. It's like, come on, man. You don't dedicate someone else's work to your family when you're the editor of it. That's what Mark did, and Joe went through the roof. He told me, I want you to take that signed copy, because Joe signed my copy of Howling's in the Pit. I want you to take that copy and throw it in the fireplace. I want you to burn that book. 
I'm going to have Nick Starcher do a second edition. I'm taking Mark's stupid comments, which they are. His footnotes are fucked, most of them. And his asinine chapter one out of there. Well, it's never happened. And it's because Joe was stupid and sold Mark the rights of that text. I don't know why he fucking did that. But there has not been a second edition since, and I'm glad I didn't do what Joe said. I didn't always follow his orders. <laughs> in that case, I kept that book. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't throw that one in the fireplace. Wrong. <laughs> so what – Um. Could it, just quickly, like, was, was Joe – like, did he just have a ferocious temper like this? Was it just part of who he was and his character? Uh, well, I was doing my work, so – if there was complaints I was hearing from Joe there about his other students, sometimes if he'd have to vent that or use it as a lesson of if I had to teach what you might encounter or what not to do, because I heard every excuse and reason from the book, because we got along so well, it ended up me being his sounding board in some of the sessions where he's just telling me the other problems that are going on. So it's like, you know, he even had me call a few of these other students when they were getting into trouble to try and encourage him you know, to stick with it and, you know, to get over the problem they were having, whatever it was. And usually I fail every time, pretty much, no matter what I said to these guys, you know. There was only that one other guy, Corey, I'm talking about, that uh, really stuck it out and uh, stayed with Joe just like I did until he died. There were a few other guys, but Corey was the main one. And then after Joe died, we both contacted Darlene, who was having none of that. Uh, she didn't want us to come there and help. She didn't want any of that. She had her own agenda going on. So Corey worked it out with Darlene to buy, to not buy, but to get Joe's occult works and his ceremonial equipment and books and all the correspondence. And that was shipped to him. He had professional movers ship that down to him. And the science books that he had, he had a huge science library. When I went to his house, I was going to catalog it for him. Um, I was going to do a whole database on it for him. Uh, and he liked what I was going to do, but again, he died before we could get it done. Well, those books all got sold by lots, this one company. Well, Corey was so crazy about Joe, he even bought those back. <laughs> I was like, Joe, you don't need all that science. You're not going to go through those books, are you? They're Joe's books. I need them. I was like, okay, man. I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. It's cool. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he has all those books, too. He bought most of those back, from what I understand. So, Do you maintain a relationship with the other students? No. Just, uh, well, just with Corey. And uh, there is a couple other guys, yeah, over the years that quit early, and then they're never Joseph's and regretting it now, wishing they would have stuck around. And they come back years later, seeing if they can get extra hints, so to speak. Unfortunately, Joe doesn't work that way. It's, it's a constant, steady progression. Not a hit or miss. Here, give me a quick answer and throw me up the ladder via uh, your knowledgeable boost or whatever. Your, your energy that I don't got that would, I wish I had. And uh, if I just... Uh, get a little bit of knowledge from me, it'll carry me into the next thing. Or I, I don't know. It's the, the guy that's buying that book at the bookstore and he tries it and then, you know, it only lasts for a couple of months and he switches systems to something else that he can't do because they don't have enough follow through to get it done or whatever their problem is, you know. 
It's just you got to find your system that resonates with you, and you got to go through it all the way without mixing it with other systems. Joe is dead right about that one. No matter what your path is, if you're a Buddhist, don't compare it to fucking Indian yoga techniques or Taoism. Do Buddhist stuff, okay? You don't have to compare all these systems together, no matter how similar they are, how um, you know seamless. Uh, they overlap, that it might appear that they go, even if they do. Knowing that knowledge doesn't mean that, okay, since I know the yoga system, I can know the Buddha system automatically because there's corollaries. So I know Buddhism too. No, you don't. You know yoga that you've applied and made some connections and golden threads with, but you never really went down the path of hardcore study of Buddhism and trying out its techniques without mixing them. <laughs> to find out the purity in them, which is going to be all its own. The E system has its own energy signature. We're going back to axiom number five again, see? If you're mixing all these different energy signatures together, you just got this distorted gray mass mess of a signal that doesn't mean fuck all. <laughs> it's just, it gets dropped and you can't hear anything. More or less hearing the fine tunings of the universe and God himself or herself or itself within you. How are you supposed to hear that with all that signal noise? Oh my God. You know, it's, it's insane. It's a very traditionalist outlook, which I agree with. The systems shouldn't be mixed. But it's something that just happens all the time in the world, right? Like people jumping from thing to thing and inventing new amalgamations of different systems. It's definitely a feature of modernity, I feel. It's what's refreshing about Joe's books, you know, the ones that I've read. Is he's probably the only person that I've come across uh, in recent times that, you know, says don't do that. <laughs> St stick to the path. He's the only one I've ever read. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only one I ever read. Jason Newcomb hedges the fences on it. He's like, well, I think they might be objective, but they could be subjective too. Franz Barden, he's, his methods are a little strange and quirky. He doesn't really subscribe to it either. And then... You know, that's about all you hear about objective, the objectivity of spirits. The presence in the room or something falling off the wall is enough. Or maybe you get a slight wind or some weird whisper. But you don't see anything, usually. Only if you uh, have, oh, God, this quote from the journal is hilarious, actually. Um, it's, uh, it's in the very beginning of the introduction to the commentary about the psychological approach. And I'm quoting myself here. Uh, this, <laughs> my glasses here. Sorry. Uh, this psychological approach is also weak in my eyes. See, it depends on the practitioner. Uh, even I, I won't say the name, even I's equilibration right says that what appears in the triangle of art may be seen by those with advanced astral vision, thereby setting up an excuse for when no one present sees anything there. Hulk Runyon, Mr. Guisha, videotaped a goetic evocation. Neither I or the TV crew saw anything in that black mirror. Instead, when the demon was present, it spoke through Frater Solomon, working the candles in front of the mirror. I didn't pay to see a channel working. I want to see a demon physically. <laughs> There it is right there. It's all about the view you want to take. So if you want to take the objective view of spirits, 
just like Eliphas Levy said, we live in a universe, a spiritual one, where we move and have our being, you know. Well, you could live in that universe. Kind of like that movie, uh, that Lovecraft movie, where that guy makes the machine and you can see those astral monsters are always there that you can't see. But then when you can see them physically, it's like a nightmare and they're all getting thrashed. I can't remember the name. From Beyond. From Beyond is the name of that movie. Yeah. That's a good example. That's real. From Beyond is the reality. If that's the view you were going to take and build your subjective synthesis and universe on. Because we're all divine light. We're creators just like God. So, you know, our concept of what the universe is, the universe, even if that's not true, it's going to conform to your consensus reality and it's going to fit your subconscious mind. You truly are creating your universe all the time. And it conforms to your will and your thought constantly, 100%, 24-7. Each person lives in their own universe, really. <laughs> so <clears throat> do you live in one that has spirits or objective or do you live in that psychological one? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I recently read a book uh, called The Trickster and the Paranormal, which is a really good book. I forget who wrote it. You can look it up. Um, and he talks about specifically shamans and magicians and, and people like that and, and how in order to access these kinds of realms, I suppose, and ways of creating this subjective synthesis, I guess, for lack of a better Better, better way to put it. Um, it involves a lot of rule breaking and taboo breaking, and and living outside of the consensus reality of normal day to day life in which you know most people operate. Get up, go to work, right? Eat, do those things. In, in Joe's system, is there a, a a method to break down the consensus reality and to gain access to these other ways of viewing the universe. And it sounds like that's kind of what it is in a way, like doing all these operations to the T and developing the su subjective synthesis is almost like a way of getting away from normal day-to-day -day contemporary modern reality in some way. Do you think there's well, something to that? Well, yeah, of course, because that's most people's excuse to get to uh, general occultism in the first place. That's pretty much everybody's idea is to break out of the norm and get secret knowledge, powerful knowledge they can use and access. The dichotomy is they don't use and access it. They just say what Mark Stavish is right about that. They're willing to say whatever it takes, but not do whatever it takes. That guy's dead on on that one. You know, it's just, if you don't use the four letters of power uh, or use the four words of power, uh, you can't make Joe's system work. The four letters are the word work, each letter of that word. The four words, just like he says in Howling's from the Pit, are where is the proof or, i.e., where are the results. Those are the four words of power. If you ask that consistently and have that as your watchword, you can't go wrong. Because if it's not working, either the ceremony, uh, lab recipe, or prayer treatment you're trying to implement is wrong, or you are. Maybe you're not spiritually unfolded enough to get the results, which he outlines exactly in Israel regarding the Philosopher's Stone, what that means. That book is exact in exactly what that means. Regarding is a classic example of not being able to cross that line and manifest things down there. He's, I'm not, you know, 
Regardi was a great guy. He had his place in occultism. He saved the Golden Knob teachings, for better or worse. Um, he, uh, he investigated the mind and its use in magic, and he did a lot of work. But he never was satisfied and couldn't get the job done, especially in alchemy. Just like it says in that book, I spent 12 years trying to get those damn little rocks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, he was honest, that's for sure. He wasn't a charlatan or anything. He, uh, I guess, was very open as an individual about what he was good at and what he wasn't. And he was quite humble, too. I think it comes across in Regardless, his writings. Oh, yeah, his letters, too. His letters are gems. That's just hilarious, some of them. Regardi was a, he was interesting, man. I wish I would have met him. But, you know, I got to work with Joe, so fuck it. You know, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I hear a lot about regarding. It'd be fascinating just from an intellectual point of view to see some of those letters and uh, to see to get further into that guy's personality about who he was and. Yeah, need to publish him too. So, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not ruling it out, but I I'm not the only custodian of Joe's work, so <laughs> I can't just say yeah, let's publish him. You know, I got to consult Corey first, then. I might even have to contact Joe first, technically. So there's ways and means we left behind of getting a hold of him. So I contact Joe, and if he says, yeah, go ahead and publish him, I don't care, well, maybe I will in the future. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not trying to be famous. I'm not trying to get my name out there or anything, really. I'm just doing the work as Joe laid it down. And I wish everybody else in the occult world would do it too so they could experience not the confusion they experience and all this crazy but just the genuine results, the joy of the path itself, the joy of just doing the work itself, not the results. They'll come when they come, and they'll come progressively, man. You can set this stuff up where there's continuous manifestation loops that occurs without any really conscious effort on your part. <laughs> Once it's set up, it pretty much takes your thought and manifests it. So you better be careful what you think. You know. I guess in a, in a way we've focused on some of the more terrifying elements. I think to most people they'd be scared shitless, frankly, of doing a lot of this stuff. Um, but 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 as you say, right? You're just saying now there's there's quite a there's a joyful element to it as well, which obviously there must be. The empowerment, the secrets of the universe, you find out for yourself. All the, if you're doing it with the guy, you know, Joe knew the land, lay of the land. He was an experienced occultist. So I'm training under him as a rookie. He knows all the pitfalls, all the problems. He's making sure I don't fall into them, see? So actually, although it looks like I'm making hay slowly, it's quick as shit. And all of a sudden, all this knowledge comes together. You can use it, actualize it into your own chamber, and then the rest does itself. You just keep working. That's all. And it's not dangerous. It's only a fearful if you're nervous and doubtful about something, but if you build subjective synthesis correctly, you won't be doubtful about anything. You're telling the subconscious mind, you're working for me now. And it does to manifest all of those results that are supposed to automatically, like it's supposed to. The unconscious mind works on those mechanisms your conscious mind doesn't need to control, like breathing and heartbeat and things like that. Well, it does the ritual action once its subjective synthesis is known automatically too that way you don't have to uh concentrate on those aspects of the ritual when you're full of god's thoughts racing through your fucking mind trying to command this infernal demon up if you so choose to do that which i don't recommend doing 
That's just a path, and there's only a few guys in the world that can do it. It's safer to do his new thought techniques that he outlines in the books, really, or to do just enough of Joe's subjective synthesis on certain subjects as he outlines in Howling to the Pit till you will get the prompting to cross the line yourself into deeper aspects, which he also goes into Howling's from the Pit in to explore there. And in Mark Stavish's book, he mentions all the authors in the new thought section of that text. So you knew which ones to buy and study. Now, Joe had a peculiar system of fitting all those guys together, but I'm just saying that's where the that's where his golden thread is, okay? It's making that cross and just having that in your life to use as you will. I mean, I don't know how to any simpler how to put it than that. You've got to experience it and know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know. It's like muscle memory. That's what subjective synthesis is. You've trained it consciously, so it just works automatically. Boom. You know. And that power, that frequency that you come down with, well, it just builds. You start with small results, and they work up until you have that grand edifice built within you, just like all the literature tells you. Uh, and you can make all of it work for you, even that new age, quote-unquote, material that he talks about with Joe's third book, Kabbalistic... Uh, the Kabbalistic Handbook for the Practicing Magician. You could even do it on LBRPs and middle pillars and shit. Um, I was just, you know, once I learned about old system, that's all I wanted to do. So, you know, until it wasn't time to do that anymore. We put the tools away and I crossed the line. Everyone's path is going to be slightly different. Some guys won't do magic at all. That doesn't mean they can't use subjective synthesis. <laughs> Not at all. And they can use it on any system they want to use it on. Taoism, Buddhism, yoga. Witchcraft, ceremonial, uh, name, a, name a path. It doesn't matter. You can use subjective synthesis on it. You can use it on mathematics and engineering. It doesn't matter. And I agree with that. Um, for people that haven't read it, I suggest they go and get that book and, and uh, look into this, this notion of subjective synthesis. It's uh, something else. Um, so we've actually been talking for an hour and 50 minutes, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> it's been fascinating. It wow, feels, feels like 20 minutes, but um, I guess we should probably think about finishing up. Um, so, so like, yeah. do you have any final parting words on like Joe and just this whole thing and any corrections you want to make to pe what people have said out there, which I think you've already done largely. Um, but yeah, is there anything you want to, leave the uh listeners with god haven't i given them enough already i I'm think you have but uh <laughs> just putting it out there for you <laughs> i would just say if you're interested in joe's work um make sure you know what you're getting into it's not for the amateur it's a lot like crowley work in a way it's it's playing with fire if you're not ready for it just be careful find out all you can about the guy do your research and then do what he outlines in his books and recommends and follow it to the letter don't guess. Don't make these changes based on your biases or, oh, I know better, la, la, la. Do as it's written, like he tells you to do with the Gremlins. Do Joe's book is written, too. Or seek out uh, one of his students, Corey, and uh, get training from him. <laughs> or, or yourself, but only two, just two well, students. <laughs> I don't want to waste my time on guys that are curious or just want to dabble in Joe's system because... Once they start to work, that's what happens. That's why all these other students left. It's like a breaking point. Because as he outlines in his book, you start with the 12 steps of spiritual enlightenment by Rigardi. They usually don't make it past step three or four. 
well, you don't do step four, but step four is really step five. But, you know, they don't get past rhythmic breathing or concentration in the system. That's when they fold, usually, for one reason or another. Because when you're doing rhythmic breathing, you're breathing in pure spirit of the universe and life, and you're getting the fourfold, you, you know, universal rhythm down. You're just really feeling the effects. And if you're not ready for that, well, I guess you could get scared and make some excuse or reason up why you shouldn't be doing it and do something else or whatever else happens, you know, because if I guess, you know, they tell you to fear God all the time, right? Well, maybe there's something to that because when you encounter these supernatural forces, it's definitely unnerving. I mean, fuck, you know. Um, I, I agree. I feel like when people's teeter is about to totter, so to speak, they, um, they get scared. I think it's threatening to the ego somewhat in any system, obviously. And uh, yeah, most people quit just when they're getting to the point where they shouldn't. Well, if you go in with the attitude of my life isn't about me, that might go a long ways. If you're a servant, like every angel I've ever talked to tells you to be, <laughs> um, if you're a servant of uh, your you know, divine genius, God, or the, you know, your HEA guiding you, whatever it is, your spiritual guides, whatever. If you're a true servant of these guys, you won't have any qualms about doing the work. And then that joy that I'm talking about that you can experience, you can experience yourself. That's what you should be going for. It's just the joy of doing the work and self-discovery and not worrying about the results. Let that come as it goes. That's my only advice, really, to any practitioner of anything. Just do the work. Do it thoroughly and um, uh, do it fully with no shortcuts and see where it takes you for yourself. And then you'll know these things. You won't have to guess, think, believe, or have an opinion of these things. You will have a knowing. And that's like night and day. And that's kind of like Joe himself on the occult realm. You know? It's a night and day approach. He's the total opposite of the coin of pretty much everyone else. <laughs> to work under a guy like that is very unique and just, you know, don't sell yourself short, but just make sure what you're doing, I guess. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's, yeah, it's perfect. It's a perfect way to um, finish things up. 